If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fifth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please click that subscribe button. Follow us for authentic and encouraging Christian content. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Or check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. You'll find blogs, sermons, study guides, podcast links, and lots of free stuff. We hope that you enjoy today's broadcast. If you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 12, where uh, Casey just read for us the text. We're going to dive in there and cover a few other things that we didn't in our last time together. Uh, we talked about what it meant, two weeks ago, we talked about what it meant to really love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Now, Jesus says to the people that are asking them this question, this is the greatest commandment, is to love the Lord your God in that way. But then he gives them a bonus, and he says there's a second thing I want you to consider, and that is that the second great command is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I admit to you this morning, this is a loaded, loaded sermon, because we're covering two different things that are essential to our Christian living. One is learning to love our neighbor, and the other is learning to love ourselves. That's tough stuff. We're going to do our best to wade through it this morning in our time together. Let's start with focusing on what it really means to love your neighbor. Well, if you're going to love your neighbor, let me start at the basic, and that is you need to know your neighbor. Amen? Y'all with me? Hello? Amen? You got to know your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Right? I've got to meet my neighbor. Thank you. Look to your right. Look to your left. Say, hi, neighbor. You know, we're not going to sing Mr. Rogers this morning, but we are neighbors here in our pews together. We are neighbors where we live and where we work and where we go to school. Everyone we encounter is our neighbor. Now, I mentioned a few weeks ago, these hurt us. It, it steps on our toes a little bit. You cannot love your neighbor and know your neighbor if you've never met your neighbor. We've got to know who our neighbor is. Now, I'm not going to put you on the spot this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But if you were given a pop quiz on the neighbors in the vicinity of where you live, how many of us could say, we know all of our neighbors? We have somebody probably, all right, Robert's got it. We, we have people to our right. We have people to our left. We probably have people to the north and south. Some of you have been there for a long time. Maybe you've lived in that house for 10 years or 20 years, and so you've developed a relationship with the people around you. I don't believe things happen by accident. You chose a place to live. Maybe it's because it was close to the school district you wanted, or maybe it was because it was closer to work, but you chose a place to reside. And if we are going to be strong, faithful Christians in our community, we have got to get to know our neighbors. Amen? 
Y'all with me? We've got to be able to know who our neighbor is. So I'm putting a challenge out to you this morning. If you're going to love your neighbor, who is your neighbor on the right, on the left, in front and behind you? If you focus on nothing else for the rest of 2024, think about what you can do to be a better neighbor to the people that surround you. Do you know their names? Do you know their families and their kids? Do you know enough about them that you could carry on a conversation? I'm very blessed. I have an elder of the Lord's church that is one of my neighbors. We don't talk a lot, but we do have a lot in common, and, and he loves to come over to my yard. I love to go over into his uh, area. But we have neighbors close to us. We tried to build a relationship. Now, I'm next to a subdivision. Do I know all those neighbors? No. Oh, I know the kids because they kick balls over in the yard, right? So I'll tell them, hey, look, if there's a ball in the yard, I've told them a couple times, you just come on over and get it. It's okay. In fact, they could probably pick some fruit off the trees and it wouldn't bother me none. But do you know your neighbor? Make it a challenge this week to get to know. Meet your neighbor. Spend time with your neighbor. If there was, God forbid, some kind of a tragedy, let's say that they go out of town and their house catches on fire could you get in contact with them? If their dog comes into your yard or, or, or there's some other need that you have, can you reach out to them? Do you have a relationship enough with them? You got to meet them first. The second thing we got to do is we got to help our neighbors. If you see that your neighbor, and I'm going to just talk about the person close to you, uh, where you live, but people around you, if they need assistance, do you help? My grandfather, many times I would spend time with him, and, and I watched him do this, and I watched my father do this. If there was someone who was coming to the door, maybe they're elderly, or a woman is coming to the door, and they need help, what are we supposed to do? We open the door for them. We help them. That's respectful. That's a, a good Christian thing to do as a matter of integrity, is to look out for others. Also, be very patient with people. And so when they have a need, what are we doing to meet that need? If you see something going on and you can help, the Bible tells us that if we see good and don't do it, it's a sin. In fact, Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 10 and verse, or Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42, whoever gives a drink to one of these little ones receives a reward. He talks about the same thing in Matthew 25. If you do good deeds, it's like doing it for the Lord. So find ways to help your neighbor. If you see them doing something, many times I've done this where somebody's unloading a truck. Now, I'm not quite as good as I used to be unloading things, but I know that if somebody in my neighborhood is needing a little assistance, I may go over and say, hey, you want me to help you lift that or move that? Same thing when you're in the grocery store or anywhere else. If you see somebody that needs help, a good neighborly thing to do is to extend a hand. Now, the benefit is you are a child of God. So not only are you doing it as a good neighbor, you're doing it as a good Christian neighbor. There are times we have people, maybe you've had a neighbor before you didn't get along with very well. Probably the most famous one I can think of is my aunt, who at one time had a neighbor that constantly would throw stuff in her yard and park cars on her yard. And she went to put up a fence. And they went out there and knocked the fence down. And this went on for several years until they had to go to the city and determine where the property line was. Well, I would have moved at that point. I would have, I'd have given up. I'd have said, I don't care how much I live in this house. I don't want to be near somebody like that. But you've probably know people, hope you're not like that, but maybe you know people that have had conflict with their neighbors. We've got to figure out a way to work together. We're supposed to live at peace with all 
Luke also records the story of the Good Samaritan. When you see someone in need, you reach out and you help. Number three is some admiration. What I mean by that is there needs to be a healthy relationship between us and our neighbors. My brother sent me a picture some time ago of a lawn where they had a a little grass strip in between. It's in a subdivision, and there is a house here and a house here, and in between is one little strip of grass that's like this much. And the guy mowed half of it. (laughs) Don't, Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be the one who, whenever it's time to mow the yard, you're blowing the grass clippings in his yard, or you're raking the leaves into his yard, or you tell the dog, go over there. If you're a good neighbor, you have admiration and love and respect for that person, and you're constantly trying to find ways to minister to them. Don't be the type of neighbor that no one wants. Be the neighbor everybody wants. Be the neighbor that people say, he's a good guy, she's a good woman, that's a good Christian couple. They are are full of integrity, they do a lot of good stuff. If they're out of town, can I pick up your mail for you? Can I get the newspaper off the driveway? That's a big thing for some of us who still get the newspaper, because if it piles up, tells people you're not home. But if you see somebody, they have a, poor Ken over here, where's Ken? Is Ken Morgan here this morning? He's got a a, a broken, there he is, got a messed up arm, okay? So if I'm Ken's neighbor, can I help pull that trash out for you, Ken? Little stuff. Little stuff like that to help have admiration. In uh, Paul's writing in Romans, he says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. No harm. And that means both physically and also verbally. How do you talk about your neighbor? Boy, that guy over there, he's just trash. He is, he's the worst neighbor I've ever had. How do you talk about your neighbors? To your children, to your spouse, to people in your community, get to know them, admire them, and encourage them. Romans 15, 2 says, let us please uh, his neighbor for his good, leading to edification, building them up, trying to encourage them. As I said earlier, I don't think things happen by accident. When you choose the place to live, God also allows you to choose the people you're going to minister to, because those people around you, that's your circle. I'm always interested in people that do mission work. They say, oh, I want to do mission work. I want to, I want to go over to, to uh, Africa. I want to go to uh, Asia. I want to go over to, to, to Japan or China. Or I want to do mission work in Russia. And I appreciate that, really. I do. But our mission field is in the close proximity of our home. That's where we need to be reaching people with the gospel. That's the people that need to be ministered to. It's great. Some of us live close to family. That's wonderful. But there are people in your proximity, in your circle, that need to be ministered to, and God has placed them strategically there. How how horrible it would be on Judgment Day if we meet our neighbors passing in judgment and they are receiving condemnation. And they say, as that song we sing sometimes, you never mentioned him to me. We need to minister to, teach, and encourage our neighbors. And finally, uh, uh, to teach them. What does it mean to teach them? Well, you teach them by your example. They know where you're going to be on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Amen? Y'all with me? Amen? Your neighbors know where you are right now. You know why? Because you're here every Sunday morning. 9 a.m. class, 10 10 a.m. worship. They know where you're going to be tonight at 5 o'clock. They have no doubt in their minds when your car is absent from the driveway, you're going to be at the Somerdale Church of Christ at 5 o'clock. On Wednesday night at 6.30, Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., they know where you're going to be. They know that you put God first in your life. 
And if we really love our neighbor, we can't help but talk about Jesus. Some people say, well, it's hard for me to talk to people about Jesus. It's hard for me to do evangelism. We're going to spend some time here in just a couple of months. Have a whole month on how we talk to people about Jesus. How we can communicate the gospel in a loving way that it might prick their hearts to want to become a child of God. We're going to talk about how we present the gospel, not just verbally, but also physically, where we go, what we do, the way that we represent Jesus in our community. Those are all very, very important, but our neighbor needs to be taught. The gospel needs to be preached to all people. In fact, we read Matthew 28, Mark 16. We know we're supposed to go into all the world. We know we're supposed to teach all nations. We've got that, but we start where we are. You start with your children. You start with your spouse. You start with your family. And you start with your little neighborhood. Any event we do here, this is an easy way in. I'm giving you an easy way. This month, we're having an egg hunt on the fourth Sunday. We've got uh, vacation Bible school. We're already doing promo VBS uh, videos. If you want to make an impact in your community, then you take those flyers when we have family days. You take those to your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, just wanted to let you know we're having an event at church. Love to have you if you can come. Just a simple invite can go a long way. It opens the door to a better conversation. You see them out in the yard. You see them out uh, walking around. Maybe they're picking up leaves or, or their dogs out in the yard. Just go, man, isn't it a beautiful day today? God is good. Simple things to simply wait, wake people up to say that you are a child of God. You are a believer in Christ Jesus. And maybe they'll want to know a little bit more when they see you in action. Paul talks about being an example in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. And we're going to spend some time here next month talking about what that looks like and how holy living is required of us as children of God, not only because it benefits us, but it benefits the people around us. Number two, if we want to really understand what love means, we learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. How well do you love yourself? I have a few things I want to share with you this morning on this subject. One, first of all, is you've got to learn to respect yourself. Self-respect. Looking inward and seeing your own value. There are people who walk this earth that do not, they cannot comprehend the value that they have. You need to be able to communicate not only to other people, but to yourself the love of God. You ever really thought about what God has done for you in your life? Have you sat down and really pondered what all God has given you? The blessings He's provided for you. Man, I love this country. I do. I love the state of Alabama. I didn't get to choose where I was born. I didn't get to choose which family I was born into. Amen? I didn't get to choose that. I make a choice where I go to church, my church family. But there are certain things that just happen because... That's, way, that's just the way it is. I was born into a family. I was given certain traits. I didn't choose my hair color. I certainly didn't choose it at the current state it's in. But I'll tell you, there are certain things that happen genetically, and there are also certain things that happen providentially. And so we need to look into that mirror and stop listening to the lies that people say about us. We need to stop listening to that negative voice, that pessimistic spirit that tells us we're not worthy and we're not good enough. That's the devil's words. Get behind me, Satan. Not today. 
I, I want to believe what God says about me, that I am loved, that I am needed, that I am appreciated, that I am a child of God that is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to believe the good things. If you want to learn to love yourself, see yourself as God sees you. Don't see yourself as the world sees you. I am so thankful that there are some things that won't be brought up on Judgment Day about me. How about you? There are some things that I, I have repented of. I have changed my life. You, we've all done things that we ask for forgiveness for. God does not hold us to that account. If we've repented and we've changed, we now walk in the light as He is in the light. We don't have to fear those things on judgment. God does not label us based on our sin. He sees us as a child of God, and if we're repentant and we are obedient to follow Him, we stay in the light. Look into that mirror when you get up in the morning. I always say, the guy I shave with every day. And look into that mirror and remind yourself that you're a child of God. Remind yourself of your value. Respect yourself. Paul talks a little bit about this in Galatians chapter 5 before he deals with uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And you got to make a choice. Am I going to follow the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? There are two different parts of your nature. The physical nature and the spiritual nature. And whichever one you feed, whichever one you nourish, that's what will come out. So feed your spirit good things. Tell yourself, yeah, I'm telling you. Look in the mirror and say it. You know, I, I am a blessed child of God. Talk about your blessings. Look at yourself the way God looks at you. Number two is control yourself. At the end of the fruit of the Spirit, we dealt with this in a class I was taking this week. When you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, why is self-control last? You ever wondered that? Fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Why is self-control last? Why can't self-control come first? Because the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, the second. So love is where it all begins. But at the end, self-control means that as a child of God, I can do anything I want to do. Paul says all things are lawful for you. you just because the law says you, you can do it. But he says not all things are helpful. Not all things are going to nourish the spirit inside of me. And the things that I crave of my flesh, I overcome that with the Spirit of God. And I say, though the world says this is fun and enjoyable, and though I may have done those things at one point in my life, I have changed. I'm a child of God. I'm conformed to the image of Jesus. I have made a, a conscious decision that I'm going to follow Him with my whole heart. And that means I have to tell myself no. Now ask yourself the question this morning, when's the last time you told yourself no? When's the last time you had an opportunity to do something and you said, you know what, this is not good for me. This is not a blessing for me. This is not something that is going to build up the Spirit of God within me. This is not something that's going to really bless the kingdom of God. Self-control means saying no to yourself and saying yes to God. I love how the Bible points out that His ways are higher than our ways. Sometimes there's a way that within man, we, we think it's the way to go. And as the proverb says, it's the way that ends in death. And so we have to evaluate everything we do. Am I doing something to be a blessing to myself spiritually? Or is this just a momentary, a fleeting thing? When we deal with holiness next month, we're going to talk about things that we do. We're going to talk about what we wear. We're going to talk about what we think about, what we watch. How can we become more holy? Because God has called us to a life of holiness, and that means saying no.
The third thing is, judge yourself. Look within yourself. Uh, Robert mentioned this morning, he was reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And when you think about what Paul says, when he says to evaluate or to examine, some of our translation says, examine ourselves, that's not just done on the first day of the week, it should be done every day. Now, how am I in walking with God? If there's to be a report card, right? Now, some of our kids, they get the report card. I, I know it's tough because we don't want to show them. I was at a school once uh, at a congregation I worked at, and the little ones, they pinned the report card to them. You know, well, that's, if you don't have good grades, and you walk into that house with that report card, right? What if you were to be given a report card today? It's not the end of time yet. You, your judgment day is not yet at this moment. But if you were to evaluate and give a report on your spiritual life, would you have A's, B's, C's, D's, F's? How about if somebody else evaluated you? What if it was your spouse or, or, or a close friend? If they evaluated you, what would your report card look like? You and I, we have to judge ourselves. We have to look within ourselves and say, is this something that is a blessing? Is this something that is a, a curse? Now, we, we talk about judgment. We've, we've read and studied before Luke 6 and Matthew 7, being careful about how we judge other people. But there should be no limit, no restraint to us judging ourselves. And if there is something in my behavior or my demeanor or in my mindset that's not helping me to be a child of God or does not express to the world that I have a love for myself, I need to get it out. Anything that's hindering me in my spiritual walk, it's gone. I'm only going to feed my spirit. I'm not going to worry so much about my flesh. I mentioned 1 Corinthians 11, but Paul also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about the law of Christ compelling him. He is, is into this compulsion of the cross that all he can think about is Jesus Christ and him crucified. In a daily uh, activity, there was a little uh, TikTok going around not long ago about people that were uh, focused on the Roman Empire. They're asking, how many times do you think about the Roman Empire a day? Men apparently think about it at least once a day, the Roman Empire. I wonder if you were to ask yourself on that report card, how many times do I think about Jesus on the cross? Every day, not just Sunday, every day. How many times do I think about Jesus taking my place at the cross of Calvary? How many times do I think about his blood that cleanses and makes me whole? How many times do I think about how, how Christ, because of his death and now his ascension to the right hand, I have the avenue of prayer? Prayer is a powerful tool that we have over our enemy, that we could ask the, the army commander anytime we'd like for things. And we ask in Jesus' name. Those, again, are blessings. And we look at it and say, I am compelled by the love of Christ. I'm compelled by the cross. I can't stop thinking about what Jesus did for me. Not only do we judge ourselves, we also forgive ourselves. We practice self-determination. What does it mean to forgive yourself? Well, that means that there are some things, some things that you say, I just am not going to dwell on anymore. Some of us have been forgiven, and we know that. We know that God's grace is given. We know that if we've repented of sin, He has taken it and removed it as far as the east is from the west, buried it in the depth of the ocean, remembers it no more, blotted it out. There are dozens of scriptures over and over. Our problem is not receiving forgiveness from God. Our problem is forgiving ourselves. 
And we sit there and we dwell on those things. And we say, man, but yeah, I did this or I said that. And I just, and there will be consequences for our actions. And sometimes the consequences are meant not necessarily just for punishment, but also for a discipline and sometimes for ministry. That we might be able to tell people, hey, I've been down that road. I've done those things. I'm not proud of it, but I'm a changed person. I've been born again. We have to have this self-determination that we're going to forgive ourselves by letting things go that we were never meant to hold on to. We have so many burdens already. Why carry a load that Jesus has already tried to take from us? If you've been forgiven, forgive yourself. Make that determination. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to process it. I'm going to lay it at the foot of the cross. Now, if you haven't done that, you can't make that decision. You have to do that today and say, I want to receive forgiveness. In repentance, you lay that down at the foot of the cross. But if you've done that, don't dwell on it. If God has forgiven you, you forgive yourself. In 1 John 1 and verse 9, it says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I'll say this one thing and then I'll move on. When it comes to the things that we've done, if we have been truly repentant, and that means we have said, God, forgive me, and I don't want to do it anymore. And we believe in the promise of God. And we believe in the grace and the mercy of God. And we believe in the forgiveness of God. And we believe in a God that keeps His promises. And we believe in a God who will do everything exactly as He said He would do it, when He says He'll do it. And we believe in a God that through prophecy of the Old Testament, things are fulfilled in those days and also in the New Testament and will eventually to the end of time. And I believe in a God that is understanding and a God that sent His Son to the cross for me. Then I better believe that He's forgiving. And I have to convince myself that moving forward is letting go of who I once was. That's a message that the world needs to hear. They need to hear about the mercy of God. They need to hear about the forgiveness of God. That doesn't mean we wash away sin and say, oh, that didn't happen. You know, you still have consequences sometimes for the things you've done. But the guilt that overwhelms you, you got to guard your mind against it. You can't do that because you are changed. You're different. And finally, we've got to save ourselves. Practice self-esteem. Practice good self-esteem. Again, looking into the mirror. I'm going to be accountable. I'm going, to, I'm going to recognize when there are mistakes that are made. I'm going to repent of it. But when I begin to, to focus on who I really am, I don't want to just be someone who says they're a Christian. I don't want to be someone who just says, you know, I love the Lord. I want to be able to show that. And you show it every day in a way that not everybody sees, because God knows your heart. And God sees within you how you truly feel about things. It's so hard sometimes trying to be fake. Maybe you've been there before where you've tried to pretend. You know, everything's good. Smile. Everything's wonderful. Sometimes things aren't wonderful. Sometimes there's, there's some stuff in here that, that we have dwelt on or that we're doing that we want to let go of. This morning, the great thing about being a part of a family of God is when you look to your right and left, you saw a neighbor, didn't you? You also saw a sinner. There's not one of us in here can say we are perfect. We make mistakes. Now, the children are innocent. They're, they're safe. But as we get older, we become 
enthralled with sin. We say, well, you know, I, I know I shouldn't have done that, but we make those mistakes, and sometimes we sin intentionally. And the great thing about being together as a family of God is we all know we're sinners, but we all know also in the forgiveness and the power of God's mercy. And so we can sit here this morning saying, if we've got something on our heart, if we've got some sin in our life, we need to have it removed. You're with the best crowd of people you could ever be if you want to confess, confess sin. You could say this morning, I have done this or I have done that, and you're around people that have done those things. They're not the same anymore. And that's why we offer the invitation. Every time we're together, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we do it so that you might have an opportunity to confess sin. Confession is good for your soul, I promise you. And sometimes whenever you just, you name your demon, you know, you say, this is what I'm struggling with, that burden is lifted. And maybe, maybe having someone to talk to, to say, hey, look, I'm struggling. I need help. I need prayer. This is the best group of people. There are people on pew next to you, in front of you, behind you, that would love to pray for you anytime, anytime. That's what the family of God's for. If you love yourself, you'll give yourself a chance, and you'll get rid of those sins and live the way God wants you to live. Be faithful. This morning, we also offer the invitation for those that are not children of God. You don't have the avenue of prayer. You can't call on God as your father if he's not. You have to be a child of God. And if you've never come and confessed your sin, you've never come and said, I believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and I want to say that before people. I want to speak up and say, I believe he's the Son of God. Say, I don't want to, rep- I don't want to be in those sins anymore. I want to repent. I want to change. And then you say, I want to make the ultimate step, and that is surrendering my life to the Lord. This morning, we invite you. The baptistry is ready. As I've mentioned, I've never known a church baptistry to be as active as we have in the last two months. We're not only using it for us, we got churches calling us to use it. I mean, it's exciting. But I guarantee you there's somebody that hadn't done it this morning and needs to do it. And we invite you. Take, take all those sins off your plate. Take all those mistakes you've made and lay it down. Let Jesus' blood cleanse you from now until eternity. Know that there is a reward that you can have of heaven if you'll repent and you will then be immersed in the blood of Jesus. We invite you to come today. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. Be sure to like and follow and subscribe to our social media pages. You can find channels and links on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok pages. Check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. Also, if you'd like to contribute to the show, if you want to send some prayer requests or suggestions about upcoming content, please email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Hope you have a wonderful day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.